My chest starts to burn. The urge to relax my breathing builds. I can't keep this up much longer. The voices hiss louder. My hands start to shake. I'm almost there. Just a little more. Push. Squeezing the air out. Chest on fire. Pulse beating loudly in my ears. I finish copying and shut the book. Putting the words to sleep at last. I smile despite the throbbing pain and dizziness. Yes. Progress. I cannot wait to see the look on their face. and welcome back to Furry Dashi Pod. I'm your host, Lauren Ash, and I'm here with the lovely, as always, Nicholas. Say hey, hi. hi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. You're so well, sad today. <laughs> I'm not sad. I'm actually very well, happy today. Yeah, I'm super excited today because we have two very special guests here with us that have been little lights in our life as we continue on our indie dev like journey. And I'm really, really super pumped because we've always wanted to promote really amazing creator work that they shouldn't be giving out for free. So I'm going to chastise them right now um, because it is absolutely excellent. So I'm going to go ahead and give the mic over to the cat that just appeared. Cat, <laughs> you are our special guest. Can you give us the intro? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I see cat and I have to say cat. It's just so cute. Um, it's also one of my favorite cats, everyone. For those of you who don't know, it is a tuxedo cat. It is beautiful. Yeah. We have two. They're copy pasted. so everyone that's our special guest is the copy pasted cat and with this thank you for listening (laughs) no all right so we are here with the devs of the remainder which is if you have listened to our podcast or have looked at our tweets you know that we are just too uh we are just overjoyed right now so before i get nervous and start just squeeing on everybody please introduce yourselves one at a time, uh, and let us know, like, yeah, a little bit about yourselves, right? Where are you from? Uh, maybe a fun personal fact. Uh, hey, uh, my name is Z. I'm from Earth. <laughs> yeah, and, Earthens uh, unite. I'm I'm one of the the halves of Square Vito, then and we're making the remainder um, for the last about two years, and uh, I've done. I mean, we're a two-person team, so we we each do basically everything. I, I suppose that's how you do devs usually do things, right? Um, yeah, I was an artist before this, and at some point, I've always liked playing games, but it never occurred to me that you could make a game. But uh, at some point, I, I discovered that you could do that, so so we decided to just give give that a shot, and. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty. I think it's pretty spontaneous. It just came out of nowhere. We had we started having a simple idea, like if you have a, a mage in a room, what kind of how what kind of interesting scenarios could you make up with just one place and one character that you interact with? Like what kind of mystery, um, complication, drama can you create with a simple premise like that? 
And you? Uh, I'm Nim, and I'm the other half of Queer Weasel. And I, I guess I draw and write and make music pretty spontaneously. And um, I don't know. I, I like to brainstorm stories. So, yes. Yes. Oh, oh my God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> no. Yes. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. How, how did you two, how did you two get into games together? Like, how did, how did you meet? Is there an interesting story for that? Since you like to, I'm sure um, you've storyified it. It started with palm reading, actually, right? <laughs> no, no, it started with a gear yeah. question. What? Like, the first question I asked Nim when I met them was, um, uh, they were wearing a bunch of, like, bracelets and really fancy looking necklaces. So I pointed to their bracelet and said, what kind of stats you have on that thing <laughs> and they said something like probably like oh plus intellect isn't it obvious and then uh then i knew that we could be friends <laughs> yeah we were both uh, at that time we were both artists so uh, for a while we were just freelancing uh illustration work and then after a while we we grew bored of working on other people's projects so we decided to, to give it a try and make something something like ours yeah. right <clears throat> Yeah, so that's that's actually um, full disclosure. Um, I was a beta tester on on the game, and it was an incredibly enjoyable beta testing experience. Some beta testing experiences are absolutely brutal and annoying, um, but yours was not. It was fantastic. Wow. <laughs> um, I was feeling so bad because there was so many bugs and weird stuff happening. There was like, please, people, don't abandon the other people. If I was abandoned every time there was a bug in my game, I would be out of a job so many times over. Beta testing is like a, a really good example. Of, it, it fits into the theme of our game, right? About mistakes, yeah. because you're, to get a mistake in beta testing, it's like that being successful, right? a successful test should yield a lot of mistakes. So it's a kind of funny situation where, um, you know, you've got both, you got mistakes, which you should feel bad about, or you, you shouldn't, but usually people do, but also it's a success, like, yay, mistake. Well, uh, so it's my, a funny scenario. Well, my experience of the, the whole beta testing process was actually, I mean, it fe felt like a very supportive one. Like I, no one there was sort of interested in like tearing anybody down. It was very much like how are how how are we collectively going to make this the best possible game that it can be, and I don't know personally. I thought it was what is sort of best about the process of game development. I mean, especially in a like a larger atmosphere, you know, particularly in mainstream and AAA development where things have been not so great when it comes to interpersonal interactions. It was nice to be involved in something where like everybody was just chill and supportive and i don't know that was fantastic i really enjoyed it yeah this is some i i find this kind of magical how we have our like supporters on discord because usually you know like especially if you're introverted like us if you think of uh, online communities you're kind of worried about like the toxicity that could happen or yeah kind of pointless arguing and stuff but nobody on our discord does that and it's not like we ban people who do, who do that so we like filtered it out but just nobody the people who came there are naturally very chill and, and nice which is pretty pretty lucky for us right mm. which I, sort think of, it's yeah. maybe, sorry. I think it's maybe also like the fact that this is all like all like first time for us so first time we are writing like i never wrote anything 
in my life before, like never. So if somebody critiques that some something is slow and that need to fix it, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, tell me. I will, I will like, I'll listen to what you say and I'll try to fix it because I know it's it's probably not great because it's my first time, so I can't expect my my writing to be perfect. And also like for the music, like so if somebody like critiques, I'm like, okay, you know, I I have zero zero like um, what do you say like so, like. I mean, maybe like I'm not saying in general, but regarding these things, like I'm totally okay if somebody says that it's not good and it needs a bit of work because I know it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So Yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. like that's a part of your process where you have that, uh, you've created like a healthy distance and per- a personal like reflection, like you're aware of your skill, but then there's that detachment, mm-hmm. right? From the actual product that you're creating, which is actually very hard. Um, it's the hardest thing yeah so I'm like really I I know that you're like oh but that's like very comes naturally to you it sounds like right oh not for me I I really have to (laughs) (laughs) what what elements like this this kind of technical elements yeah but if somebody critiqued the idea of the story like you know this story makes no sense I don't understand why characters are doing this then I would probably be hurt and go cry in a corner if somebody said Yeah, that. okay. <laughs> I was about to say, like, wow, I haven't mastered that yet. So <laughs> how, how, tell me your secret. <laughs> so some of our uh, players were asking uh, us to talk about what was the hardest thing about making the game. And, and I thought about it. And I think the hardest thing is exactly what you mentioned, is how to be interested in working on it, which usually involves being attached to it. Right, because the more you're attached to something, the more energy and passion you, you tend to have. But then at the same time, to remain detached from it enough that you're not uh, brought down by the reception of it, your mood is not. Okay, cats are fighting on Fight here. Yeah. So, you, so your mood is not attached to the reaction to it because the reaction to your product is, or your, your work is, you can't predict it's, it's going to go up and down. So, you, if I let my mood be governed by that, then I'll be up one moment, down another moment, then I won't be productive. So, so this call to maintain a distance but remain energetic and, and enthusiastic is the is the absolute hardest thing. About so, so I have a question game. then. Do you, do you feel like that filtered into the game? Because to me, and I may be wrong about this, so correct me if I am. Um, it feels like one of the sort of underlying themes or not themes like motivations for like how the gameplay is supposed to work is this idea that you're supposed to like try to see everything that's going on dispassionately and make more I guess better choices based upon not getting too like caught up <laughs> in, in sort of like either your feelings for your feelings or lack of feelings for Ilar. Ilar is the sort of the other character that you interact with in the story, or just like generally speaking, recognize trying to recognize things that are hap- events that happen in game that you would normally sort of you would naturally perceive as bad, as antagonistic, or as generally just you know something to be overcome, but through sort of like a broader dispassionate perspective, you're supposed to see them as actually sort of the route towards finally finding a solution or at least that they're not exactly what you think they are in fact in many ways the game is about everything not being what you think it is and so i was wondering do you feel like that sense of sort of like detachment 
works its way into the game or is that a different kind of detachment? Hmm. I think it's about, at least for me, about how we as a people often have a problem of creating like a very clear channel of communication. So a yeah. lot of situations in our life are uh, sprouting from some kind of uh, misunderstanding. So like these events in the game, like you see them from one perspective and then you form assumptions, but then you see them from other perspective and then you see, okay, you know, so I totally misunderstood this first time. So it actually forces you to, to realize that nothing is black and white and you can't judge things on, on the first impression. So kind of, and I wanted to show how, how easy it is to make like positive assumptions or bad assumptions. But then in the end, it turns out it's all just people who are trying their best to, to do what they think is good. But sometimes it just ends up badly. Sometimes things just align in an unfortunate way. And sometimes you just need to make the best of what you can from the bad situation. Mm. Yeah, so can we talk a little bit about sort of the um, the narrative mechanics of the game a little bit? Because I think, I mean, I realize this is probably, I want to talk about the mechanics, but if we don't want no, to talk I, about I actually, what I do want to do right really quick here is that it occurs to me that even though, so when we do these, we want to make sure that you guys have an excellent amount of time to promo at the end. But it does occur to me that we haven't told our listeners yet, and we're about 10 minutes in here, exactly yeah. what the remainder is. And while we can do right a job of it, I actually would like to put that into your words. Could you guys tell us just briefly like what the project is <laughs> and how that is? Well, I'll try. No promises. So the remainder is uh, it's a moody visual novel with Hades-like elements. But uh, unlike Hades, um, the each new death doesn't give you new powers, but it gives you a bit of new knowledge. And this this new knowledge allows you to it, it challenges your your understanding of the the situation and the events that's unfolding before you, and this also challenges your understanding of the characters, the relationship between them, and this so uh, playthrough after playthrough you learn new things, you get new understanding, and eventually this leads you to an unexpected truth at the end. So that's the remainder in a nutshell. That is a beautiful description. I made them do homework, so and, and it was really good. <laughs> hey, don't take credit for that. How dare you? Take it back. Take it back right now. Okay, no, no, no. I, I do not take it. No, think, but I think Nick should because this wouldn't be this wouldn't exist without without you. Really, wouldn't. Yeah, we heard your okay. voice at the back of our heads. Like you should do this properly. <laughs> well, okay. So one oh, of the no, I mean, I, yeah, I was I, I was, he's a teacher in real life, right? Yeah. So. That is exactly me when I was writing my thesis with him. It was just like, you are actually oh, saying that's this. That's true. Everyone on this call, I have forced to do homework at some point in their lives. Oh my, I am I the baddie? <laughs> am I the bad guy? No, at least for us, it's good to have deadlines and obligations because it, at least for me, it helps me get things done. I always make deadlines for myself, even though I don't have to, but it, it's good. It's it yeah. motivates me. Nothing motivates you like stress. Right? Yes. 
in AAA development. I, yeah. <laughs> yes, I understand that very well. Um, so yeah, so we can go ahead and talk about the mechanics, Nicholas. I yeah, I want to dive into that. this notion of it being a Hades-like. So this is something that I cannot take credit for. This is something that that they came up with. Because, I mean, well, we all love Hades. Everyone on this on this call right now loves Hades. Mm-hmm. Is that... <laughs> yeah. I mean... They're... Their description also reminds me of this other like little, little well-known game called Outer Wilds. Um, Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was Obsidian. I think um, I'm not. Yes. Don't quote me on that though. Though I this will be quoted. Um, but and I really loved the for them. There wasn't about knowledge. It was about curiosity, right? And so for them, they were like every death or every time loop reset is all about getting you more and more curious about the mystery right and playing Mm. through the remainder i also saw that in it as well and then when i hear your explanation like in your words right um to mention that like you took the hades example and turned it into knowledge right like that's a very good like one-to-one mapping on my brain for me how i see this kind of um time loop genre or right? Driven by death narrative, so to speak, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Like how it's progressing in the industry as a whole. Like it's a very interesting space to be in. It's a very interesting phenomenon to me since I'm I'm Buddhist and I'm very fascinated at how this uh, industry based on consumption and and entertainment has picked up upon a mechanic of uh, of rebirth, which is a, a, you know, like an ancient spiritual religious uh, idea. It's, it's, it's such a bizarre coincidence. Well, actually, well, no, I, I don't think it is a coincidence. So maybe it's not. Yeah. Well, because uh, well, I don't know. I think there are different perspectives on this, though. So I had the weird this uh, this is going to sound so tangential, but it is related. So in a class that I taught previously at Syracuse, um, I had my students both read the novel um, All You Need Is Kill and the movie that was based on it, um, Edge of Tomorrow. And what's interesting is that, okay, so in the novel, which is Japanese, and then the film, which is American, like the very same thing, the very same mechanic, this idea that like, you know, you respawn over and over and over again. In the film, it's characterized in explicitly Christian terms, because you even have a drill sergeant at one point who like, you know, essentially describes what they're about to do, you know, being bathed in the fire of battle and being reborn in blood and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is all Christian terminology. This is all Christian aesthetics, but in the novel. And so the thing is, is that, like, okay. So in the film, it, it takes on a triumphal character. In other words, like, you know, Tom Cruise's character, he's going to save everybody and he's going to figure it out. And that together they find the solution and he saves Emily Blunt and it's, there's cheering and everything is great. And there's victory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas the mm-hmm. end, so spoilers for anyone who's never read um, All You Need Is Kill, the ending of that book is extremely melancholy. In other words, he wins, KG like defeats the, the sort of the alien menace, but in the process of achieving victory, he loses everything. And so the thing is like the site, so there it's very clearly mapped upon the cycle of death and rebirth, you know, the whole concept of samsara and this idea that like this is a condition, the thing that facilitates KG's abilities there 
is seen as something that is to be like escaped from something that you you have to get rid of whereas in sort of like the christianizing western film it's this like facilitation it's this ability it's a superpower in many ways Mm -hmm. and so like literally the same mechanic and in fact it's the source material for the film but yet somehow they managed to valorize it in the movie, where it, whereas from a very, much more straightforwardly Buddhist perspective, it has a more like melancholic tone. Mm. So, I, no, I don't think I don't think it's really out, that out of line anyway. And what's interesting is that how you take the the anti-Christian <laughs> perspective on it or in many ways. Like, in real, I don't know. For me, like I, I when you do like religious study or any thought, theology work, right, like you can't just you, it feels so weird to be like anti, like anti-Christian or like anti-Buddhist. Yeah, I, I, like you I can't really anti, that. yeah, you can't really anti-Buddhism. You know what I mean? Like you have to put another thing, right? Like on the end of it. So, so but so yeah, me- I understand yes. maybe. So mechanically in the game, one of the things that you, you have, so like, even when you get to an end point, it's not really the end. And so structurally, much like, you know, most roguelikes, or as you guys say, a Hades-like, and I think the Hades comparison is important, is because you have to sort of, you don't just go back to like replay through something and like try a different branch, but the whole point is to try and re-understand what you've gone through. In other words, you play through it the first time, you have one conception of those events, but then you replay those events and maybe do things a little differently in order to understand them differently. And that is much more like Hades in the sense that you know, even though it is a mechanically like very twitchy game and you do have to have decent like, you know, reflexes to play it, at least without God mode enabled. At the same time, the narrative structure of the game does function that way. Because even when you get to the end, when you, the quote unquote end, when you meet Persephone for the first time, you discover actually you don't, you didn't really understand anything. Yeah. And your game does a yeah. similar thing. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious how that designing the process was like did it come from buddhism was that something you wanted to show in the game or was that kind of naturally especially in the story right since you have both were artists and now you have story and art working together um i guess uh, one thing we we always want to be aware of when making a game is that the the game is in a sense a story like the whole thing is a story um the menu design is a part of the story right if you click on something whether you get a feedback that's a part of the story um how to save and load uh the gallery this all part of the story so we wanted to make the interaction with the game and the mechanic inside the game all fitting to how the story we want to tell is so in that in that case um this kind of learning new things every time so that you see the the like you don't um, you don't necessarily gain something. Nothing has to physically change, but it's it looks different to you because you know something else now, and that's that's part of the elements of the story we want to put in. So we take uh, we take players' experience as a as a factor. So we have a a character that you are leading, and you have a uh, another character sage who always. Uh, has a different dialogue after each death, but we also have a player who we know that even if if you will load your game and start from the beginning, you still have the knowledge that you that you learned from other playthroughs. So if 
the game didn't take in consideration what you already know as a player, then it would be much more boring game because like here, some things are unlocked from the beginning. You just as a player need to figure them out. So at the beginning, when we were just starting to design the game, it was possible to get the true ending like on the like at the first playthrough. You you could just if you knew the secrets you have to enter and to do, you could get the training right away. And then we just over time made it a little bit more difficult, so it's so you can't uh, stumble your way upon it. Maybe, yeah, so, yeah. So actually, they remind me of something really really important, which is like how I said everything is a part of the story. The player is yeah. part of the story. Yeah. What the player knows, how we think the player understands the situation and what they may be trying to achieve is part of the story. So we try to make the story react to that, to, to include it. Uh, and so, so some of the mechanic designs are, are there because we, we, are, we want to make the, the game react and consider what is in the player's head. Yeah, like if one time you do something that I consider like, if you do this, it means that you understand a certain thing. Then from now on, I'll just consider, I, I made a game, so it considers you already have this knowledge. So even if you start from beginning, the game now has this check mark, okay, you know this, and now mm. you you will have this assumption. So I always think, I'm always thinking, what is player thinking right now? So if they, if they saw this and this, then maybe they're making this and this assumptions. And then I, I made uh, uh, theories that the player could have, considering mm. of what they saw, and then the game feeds you more of uh, like these clues. To support that yeah. theory, but uh, yeah. we, it's not always leading you in the right way. We, we, we kind of uh, purposely mislead players also mm -hmm. based on, if they know these things, they might be thinking this is what's happening, which are wrong, yeah. but we will kind of mislead them a bit so that they have to decide which of the many possibilities that all fit this set of evidence is the, the right one. So it's the, that detective mystery element. So Which how did, be... yeah, I love detective mysteries. And how did that all play out like in your production process? Because I know for me, I'm a big red string post-it note, <laughs> like trying to connect all the threads. Was it something that when you say you thought about that theory and then, right, wrote it and it delivered to it to the player, are you saying the system delivered it? Or are you just saying that you and your writing, right, did it? Um, or both, right? Yeah, we, we have these, um these check marks that record if a player ever saw something that's uh, very important to their understanding of the story. And if they saw something or they, they, they took an action and got a certain ending, then they can't unsee that, right? Now they'll always, their perception of the story will always, always be influenced by that event. So we'll make a switch happen in the game so that the next time they come to certain things that should be affected by that uh, condition, that those things are different now. Hmm. So the game is reacting in that way. Yeah. yeah, I like that some players said when they're playing, it feels like there is no other way for plot to move. But actually, there is so many, many ways pieces. to move. But when you're playing, it feels like it's the only way to for a story to end up. That's like very, very funny. To well, me. I didn't hear that. But yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know, awesome. It, yeah. 
Yeah, so without spoiling, because if I reveal the details, it will spoil quite a bit. I, yeah, definitely I, don't at, at one, reveal at the one details. point, I found myself in a situation where, just like that, I thought I had tried, you know, I because I was thinking about the story as if it were like essentially like a choose-your-own-adventure. Like you can literally always go back and just go to a different page, go to a different page. And eventually, if you just read all of the pages, you will have exhausted the possibilities and you'll find the correct one. But I found myself at one point in the game where I felt like I had done that. And in fact, not only had I felt like I had done that, I literally, I like, I had confirmed it. Like I went through and like made sure and like I wrote out on a notepad all of like the forking paths and I diagrammed it and made sure that I had done all of them. And I was like, and, and I remember even complaining in the discord. I'm like, I feel like I, and then as I was about to literally type out that message, I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> and that, and the thing the whole because the whole point was to realize that like I had I had got myself stuck. It wasn't the game that had gotten me stuck. I had gotten myself stuck. And it, I had done precisely what what the two of you said. Like you, you the game had led me along a certain path and it played into my assumptions and then by playing into my assumptions it got me personally the player into a particular headspace that I had to break myself out of in order to progress. And so when you talk about sort of like integrating the player, not just in sort of like an interface way, but literally into the structure of how the game functions, into its narrative mechanics, like that's what it feels like. And I have to say, it's both a really disorienting and yet also an extremely thrilling experience to play. Yeah, I think, I think I, I'm really into this kind of... Um creating a false expectation with the express purpose of shattering that expectation. Because um, <clears throat> I, I, I come from this from many angles. I read a lot of uh, uh, books on story writing and script writing. And I read a lot of things like The Hero's Journey and um, also my like studies of uh, religion. Um, I come to this kind of idea that there are no bad people in the world. There, there's no such thing as a villain. Everyone uh, is a hero in their own world. Everyone is a protagonist. And so if you, if a player puts themselves in a certain perspective and say, here's what I am, here's where I am, and here's the world, and this is what I'm trying to do, then anything that goes against it becomes their enemy. Anybody that comes, that kind of impedes their progress becomes an enemy. So it's, it's, it's possible to see like Ilar as an enemy at some point of, of the game. Of course, in the beginning, we try to make them attractive. So you think of them as a object of desire, but that's kind of, it's, it plays a similar purpose. It, it's directing the player along a path by either pushing or pulling. And Ilar, and, is, uh, very, Ilar is very hot, by the way, just so everyone knows. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nichols is like just saying that there's a thirst just, trap just, here. Just saying. Um, yes. that's, that's actually a really interesting thing that I wanted to kind of lead into was the amount of attention to detail your project had on all axes. Yes. It is very, it, it's very incredible to me hearing from you that it's like your first time writing and your first time doing music. Cause I mean, the art in of itself, right, feels like an entire aesthetic, uh, like menagerie of, of just things. So I just, yeah. I think it's because I think that I have a problem. Like I, I always end up doing something um, a little bit too, too focusedly. Like I'm maybe a little bit like Win. like Win is maybe is a little bit modeled after me. Like oh. when I start working, 
I can whole day can pass and I will just like stare at my work. So yeah, the art is done traditionally with ink and paper. Usually of maybe like 20 hours per drawing, something like that. So mm. a lot of them. And Do you the scan them in too? What? Do you scan in the drawings? Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I scan them and then I just add this uh, this greenish hue after. Like I do some I do some editing on uh, digitally. Usually the faces oh. of the characters because they're difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but most things I would say maybe eighty percent, seventy five percent is traditionally, and sometimes. I would I would do like few scenes completely digitally, uh, just because it's it's difficult on my hand. My hand is abused <laughs> from so much drawing. I have yeah. I'm a kindred spirit. I I had to draw for one of the projects I did in game like in a game design school course thing, and I was like I can't draw digitally, and so I did everything in acrylic. And I scanned it all in on like the fax printer at school and then like cropped the assets for the sprite sheets that I had to do for animations. So I'm just like, I have found a kindred soul. Yeah. I was like, I knew we were going to get along. Well, and that's uh, the I thing. Find it, yeah. uh, sorry. No, no, no. I find it's really, it's really good uh, for the workflow because there is no going back when you're doing it with ink. So I don't do yeah. any, any sketch with with pencil, maybe just like a rough composition, but it helps me being uh, kind of determined in drawing. If I know like I'm just drawing, if if there is something wrong, I'll fix it later when I scan it. So I just go for it. Because if I if I had the option to to noodle it endlessly, then probably I would. So ink is great for me like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, actually the, the, the so the, the finality issue is a really interesting one. The idea that sort of like, you know, once you put ink on paper, you can't revoke it. Nicholas, you can't make their everything about their production process also be reflected into the game. Like you can't do this. I feel Wait. like it is. I feel I like mean, it but, is. But it is. It definitely <laughs> is. But before Okay, go ahead. Okay, Z. Well, I think he has a shot in making that LL work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because the characters, the characters are heavily influenced by by us, and the you know the the philosophy, like the fast pants is our cat, right? I mean, I modeled, we modeled fast pants after Betty, um, the uh, the one with fuzzy legs. Um, yeah, and the, I I feel like we we did actually, in on many levels, either consciously or unconsciously, put make make the production process exactly like the the story and the philosophy of of the game and i think that's something you can only do if you're a, a tiny team like like this where you're allowed to do super weird things that don't make sense in terms of efficiency or or marketability or anything like that yeah yeah because we are not efficient we we rewrote we probably wrote like three times the amount of text that i think that more is, yeah. i think, I think yeah. some Usually when we hang out with other devs and writers, they talk about have, doing passes, like a few editing pass or something. I think we don't have a pass per se. We just have this like cascade of rewriting that's mm -hmm. constantly happening from the start to finish. Like we didn't finish rewriting and, and polishing the text until the day of release, right? We were still re like editing text on, on the day yeah. launch on yeah. team. 
No, yeah, especially because also everything needs to fit together. So if we change one thing somewhere, like some fact, or like we tweak some some uh, fact about the world, then we need to go back into the story and make sure that everything still makes sense. Because it's it's very important to me that when you read something and you you hear okay something is happening because of this thing, it's important to me that it is really like making sense, like mm -hmm. everything is connected. So you can't find a plot hole or something like that. Yeah, sometimes we, uh, I go as far as if we change something about the, the game or the world, I'll go back to a previous announcement on itch or a blog post and change that too. So it matches. It reminds me of this 1984, the bureau that like edits all past documents. So it's uh, the policies of the nation is absolutely consistent. And the it Ministry never of Truth is what it, it's called. The Ministry of Truth. Yeah, it's like kind of, changing the world because later I can totally imagine the player will go back, wait a minute, did, was this always the case? And they'll go back to the last game, you know, three games back and like, huh, that's not what I remembered. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so creepy and yet perfect. And before we wrap up here, when you talk about putting yourself into the game, I have to say that I agree in second that it's more about a smaller team size, right? We talk a lot about our values at my company and it is a larger AAA studio and our values are great, but how do you uphold them in a team when it's not like five people, right? It's, or two people, or maybe even like 15, right? It's a, it's a team of like 50, right? Or a hundred, yeah. like getting all of those value aligned and then somehow putting them into an experience like you guys have done is, is almost near comprehensible at like yeah. a AAA level scale. You need a religion. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we got Apple and Google. Okay, <laughs> um, really quickly. I mean, they are called Google Lights. Let's let's be. That's true. Yeah, uh, that's um, a separate species. Yeah. <laughs> um, before when we talk about putting yourself into the game, I really wanted to kind of end and wrap up about the non-binary kind of presentation throughout this experience. That was just so relatable and. And really wonderful to see. Um, I wanted to ask about any of your personal or professional right experiences with that in the game world, right? That you were trying to create. Well, I have a funny anecdote, which is uh, we when we walk around our neighborhood. Um, I don't speak Croatian very much, but I, often people will approach Nim and start chatting with them, and then kind of gesturing to us, and then uh, he'll start laughing. And like giggling. The later asked, well, what was that about? And I'll say, oh, they're just saying like, what a nice pair of pretty girls you are. And and that they, they never expected to see same-sex couples holding hands. And, and then I'll just smile and nod and kind of chuckle to myself. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh kind of, on air. Like... It's a telling sign of how I kind of live my life, which is that, you know, I, I'm thin, I have long hair, I have a small chin, I don't have much facial hair or uh, any kind of very masculine features. So I've always been um, like mistook as a woman or a girl. And when I was younger and had more ideas about being a, a real like masculine man or things like that, when I was more concerned about that, I used that used to make me upset. But over the years, I've come to kind of be be fine with that. Like if this is this is how I naturally tend to be, this is how I'm comfortable, then why should I try to make myself be something else? So, so that's kind of, and I think we're similar in that way, where we just feel like we don't feel like trying to fit into, fit very hard into uh, masculine or feminine. 
we're just comfortable being in the middle somewhere. And, and that's, we, I thought that would be really relaxing, you know, for a lot of people. Or if you didn't, you didn't have to worry about uh, a lot of this kind of upkeep, just, just purely to, to fit in to one side or the other. Um, so we made a world like that, where what if a, a kind of human civilization developed in such a way that they didn't uh, went, go extremely um, polar in, the, in their gender? What if they just mostly kind of were in the middle and nobody cared too much what gender you were? So yeah, then, everybody's just a person everybody's and we're not putting an emphasis yeah. on, on gender. So, yeah, we, yeah. yeah we, don't, we don't go and explain that we're using non-binary. We don't kind of try to have a character justify it or something. It's just naturally how yeah, it is. It's just there. It's just yeah. there, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, cry. yeah, no, I'm going to cry um, after yeah. this, but I'm going to hold it together. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for coming on. Where can people get the remainder and buy it and where can they support you both in a financial and in a like just love love sense um oh our itch page is is what is our itch well i think that's looking for wow <laughs> Dude, when i was an indie dev i'm gonna lie to you i was like everything's my name on the internet because i can remember my name <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the easiest way is just to Google the remainder and you'll find our... Although that's, that's like, like, just Google me. You'll find me. <laughs> All right, everyone, you heard it here. So, Google so the remainder a... game. Um, yeah. How so about, how about I, I, was, I was about to say I could explain it. I know where to find it. Yeah. I had to find it. Yeah, so the full name of the game is Chronicles of Taldun, the remainder, and it is on Steam and Itch. And Taldun is T-A-L-D-U-N. But Taldun, I usually, when I look for it, when I want to spy my own game, I just write Taldun and, and that, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. SEO just takes care of it? Yep. <clears throat> oh, that's great. You guys, I'm going to clap into the mic. We, we picked the search term that has no um, you know, overlap with anything. So Yeah, at first we, we chose the name just the remainder, but we realized that's such a broad Term that I, I can't find our game if, if when it was called just the yes, remainder. Yes, like name so your game either. dog or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that actually, yeah, no, that, that actually was this a is problem. A yeah. Having worked in indie dev and then also at an indie development studio, like literally trying to find words that no one else used so that people could search for your game and also you wouldn't have copyright infringement was huge. So you that's a big clap. You did it. We got um, lucky. Yeah, you got lucky. So Nicholas, why do you go ahead and close us out here? Yeah, I just want to thank, well, I mean, then Nim will be um, returning to speak with us in the Patreon episode. So um, if you guys want to hear the rest of this conversation, you can go to patreon.com forward slash footydashi. Um, Lauren is on Twitter at the Lauren Ash. I'm also on Twitter at Academicality. Uh, the pod is on Twitter at the at Fudidashi pod. We are just uh, always on Twitter. Everyone is always on Twitter. And and I believe Square Weasel is also on Twitter as well. Am I correct? All right, we are. <laughs> Our Twitter is uh Remainder VN. Remainder VN, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. At Remainder VN. Yeah. All right. Well then I want to thank everyone for being here and we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, thanks for having us. Thanks.